James chapter 3. I'll read verses 1 through 12. James chapter 3, 1 through 12. Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. For we all stumble in many ways, and if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle his whole body. If we put bits into the mouths of horses so that they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. Look at the ships also. Though they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are guided <clears throat> by a very small rudder wherever the will of the pilot directs. So also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life, and set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast and bird, of reptile and sea creature, can be tamed, and has been tamed by mankind, but... No human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil, full of deadly poison. With it, we bless our Lord and Father, and with it, we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not to be so. Does a spring pour forth from the same opening, both fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives, or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. We have so many privileges in this country, not enjoyed in other nations. And one that we cherish is freedom of speech. There is so much dialogue and fake news and misinformation and misguided impulse social media posts that we don't like, don't agree with, consider to be false and destructive. Yet we recognize two things. One, the constitutional right to freedom of speech. And two that that right includes our right to respond to what is false. Though abused, none of us want to surrender the freedom of speech provision. And we certainly do not want to let the government or any entity to supervise, censor, or control what is spoken or published. In legal terms, that is called infringement or censorship. So in our society, we want freedom of speech that enables us to respond to any abuses to that right and anything that is false. And so we exercise that privilege when we come here and through our website and our social media posts. 
in our personal conversation and all forms of media we have access to, we spread the gospel of Christ and that is our duty in terms of God and our right in terms of constitutional provision. James, <coughs> in this passage, isn't addressing an American constitutional right. He is addressing God's sovereign right to require that we control what we communicate in keeping with his will. Whether it be vocal speech, written communication, even the Bible says in facial expression. The Bible uses the term countenance. James wants us to know we should be governed by God's will <coughs> through whatever form that we communicate. Not the worldly standards, the emotional impulses, the immature thought patterns that could overcome us. We want to be governed by God's will in everything that emanates from us in any form of communication. I do not oversee or foresee a time in my life at any point before my death when I can claim that I have communication perfectly mastered. Do you? I need to return to this and refresh my knowledge and reignite my discipline over all forms of communication that I might execute. Tongue, keyboard, pen and paper, countenance. The teaching of this passage is my responsibility and I know that you share that conviction. So for a few minutes tonight, we're going to revisit this familiar passage in James chapter 3. Notice how it begins. <coughs> Don't be too quick about stepping into a teaching role. Now, given everything else that James says and everything before and after the book of James, we conclude that this is not a prohibition against becoming a teacher, stepping into that role in whatever appropriate ways you're able to do this. But in view of the vulnerability and discipline necessary in a teaching function, there is a caution and a godly discipline that needs to be present. You can't just say anything. You can't skip preparation and prayer and thought. We are not in a situation where we can just get up with empty minds and expect the Holy Spirit to put words out through us. And when we enter into casual conversation, it behooves us to give good thought to the matter of what we're going to say before we say it. So, don't just jump into communication in a teaching format, James says. Because there is a stricter judgment. There are earthly judgments that may be made that everything you said was well thought out. But there is a stricter judgment that we are under. Jesus highlighted this when he said 
take heed what you say. And a companion statement that Jesus made was, take heed how you hear. So at any end of the communication process, there is discipline God expects of us. Take heed what you say, take heed how you hear. And this is all about discipline of thought before the tongue is engaged. Before the keyboard is activated. Before you hit the button that says send or post. Think of it this way. Every time you communicate at the end of that communication, even during the thought process of that communication, there is a verdict that God issues. Is it true? How was it communicated? What was the purpose? Every time we communicate <coughs> verbally or in whatever form, at the end of that communication, in fact, during that communication, and in the thoughts that came before it, there is a verdict from God. James calls that strict judgment. And we certainly want that to be in our favor. So James begins his communication with a warning about all communication. There is divine judgment to be accounted for. Notice next, James is aware that we all have this problem. Verse 2, we all stumble in many ways, and if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle his whole body. So James is aware of our vulnerability about the whole matter. He knows he's writing to imperfect people. And he includes himself. He says, we all stumble. We are not first class perfect communicators. Whether with mind, tongue, or body, or keyboard. But we must not discover some universal excuse in that. We cannot say, well, everybody miscommunicates. We need to learn the danger of miscommunication. And that should motivate the discipline that James wants us to have. And that ultimately God wants us to have. Now, a number of illustrations are used by James. <coughs> given to him by the Holy Spirit. Who is the master creator of illustrations. Preachers are not the master communicators of illustrations, are creators. The Holy Spirit is. So look at the illustrations in the passage. And it may occur to you when you look at these illustrations, first of all, you can't just walk up to a horse and say, I'm going to be your passenger today. Here's the destination. Horses are not equipped with some sort of GPS, we can program our autopilot where we enter the destination. In our use of animals for work or transportation, a control mechanism is essential. And the control mechanism may not be, generally is never the size of that transportation mode. In the case of the horse, 
The mechanism is a bit placed in the horse's mouth. Now that's a very small mechanism. But with proper use, you can control the movement of that entire animal. So think control. Next illustration. The ship's small rudder. Again, the horse is big compared to its control mechanism. The ship is obviously much larger than the mechanism that controls it, guided by a small rudder, something, a, a fraction of the size of the vessel. So think small controlling mechanism. Next illustration, fire. <coughs> Almost every week in the news, you're going to hear about and you're going to see videos of wildfires all the time. I read a story several weeks ago about a wildfire out west and when they eventually investigated and discovered the ignition source, it was a spark from a safety chain attached between truck and trailer. Now picture that spark and that's what started a wildfire. In our youth, many of us remember the icon, Smokey the Bear, who warned us about forest fires and the care concerning very small ignition sources. So where does James take all that? The tongue is a fire. You know that a person's reputation can be forever changed by one false Accusation. That's one reason the Bible warns us about false accusations. In journalism, for instance, in print journalism, a blazing headline can charge someone with high crimes. Later, when it is discovered in court that there's no evidence for the high crimes then the journalists are expected to print a retraction, which usually goes on page 37 in an 11-point font. A tiny spark, a forest ablaze. Next illustration in verses 7 and 8. For every kind of beast and bird of reptile and sea creature can be tamed, and has been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. James now speaks of not wildfires, <coughs> but wildlife. This time with a touch of irony. James says, what man seems to be able to do with wildlife he cannot do with this. You know, there are horse whisperers and dog trainers who can just do amazing work with animals. But you go behind the scenes and listen to those trainers talk 
And it may be they've tamed the animal, but not their communication, not their speech. The animal is under some control, but not the mouth or the life of the trainer. And this takes us back to what James said that covers all of us in verse 2. We all stumble in many ways. But we exhibit that imperfection largely in the lack of discipline that we apply to communication, whether it be tongue or keyboard. Restless evils full of deadly poison. In verses 9 and 10, there's something I'm going to call flagrant inconsistency. Verses 9 and 10. With it we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not to be so. I'm going to call that flagrant inconsistency. Remember, we're talking about something very small, but it is a controlling mechanism that has impact far beyond its size. So here is this small member of the human body blessing our Lord and Father, but with that same small member of the body cursing people who are made in the image of God. That's no small thing. It is flagrant inconsistency to use the tongue to praise God and use the same tongue to curse those made in His image. <coughs> that flagrant inconsistency might be observed on social media where there is a post praising God and then two days later there's something utterly opposed to what God has said. Flagrant inconsistency in communication. So James is now ready to say without any uncertainty, my brothers, these things ought not to be so. Guard your tongue with your mind. A mind washed by the blood of Christ and used in keeping with his will. It is our national identity that we have freedom of speech. You can say anything, so far as the Constitution is concerned. But it is our spiritual identity to have the will of God as the governing discipline of what is said, what is communicated, before it is said or communicated. If we can tame animals... Let us, by the power of Christ, tame the tongue, that small but powerful member of the human body. More illustrations come in verses 11 and 12. Does a spring pour forth from the same opening both fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives, or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. So, what's flowing from the spring? Fresh water or salt water? What kind of fruit is harvested from the tree? Can a salt pond yield fresh water? These are questions. And they are rhetorical questions, meaning the answer is implied. 
And they need to cause us to think about what we produce before we communicate it. Is it a mixture of good and bad? Is it a gushing stream of toxic contamination? Does it bless or curse, sweet or bitter? James is looking for, and God is looking for in us, righteous consistency in all that we communicate. Discipline, maturity, being constructive. I want you to listen again. Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. For we all stumble in many ways, and if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle his whole body. If we put bits into the mouths of horses so that they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. Look at the ships also. Though they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are guided by a very small rudder wherever the will of the pilot directs. So also the tongue, let me give you a Berkeley paraphrase. So also the keyboard is a small device, yet it boasts of great things. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life, and set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast and bird, of reptile and sea creature, can be tamed, and has been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil, full of deadly poison. With it we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing, my brothers, these things ought not to be so. Does a spring pour forth from the same opening, both fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives, or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. By the way, <coughs> the teaching of James in James chapter 3 is not new to the Bible when you come to James chapter 3. There is an Old Testament book that is loaded with the same kind of instruction. And that's the book of Proverbs. The mouth of the righteous is a fountain of life. A gentle answer turns away wrath. Plans fail for lack of counsel, but with many advisors they succeed. A harsh word stirs up anger. The mouth of the fool gushes folly. All through the Old Testament, particularly in the book of Proverbs, you'll find the same kind of instructions we've navigated into in James chapter 3. So, in America, we cherish freedom of speech. Freedom comes with responsibility. And we need to take that responsibility as it has been assigned by God. May we do so in every form of communication 
that we engage in. Let's be standing as we sing.